0: let's try it again good morning everybody there we go there we go i saw a video uh, the other day of uh, a lady i guess that she serves in the, the presidential cabinet or something she, she has some type of position with uh, uh with the white house and she came up uh to the podium and she said uh, she, she's this older uh oh, i'm sorry seasoned um you, you learn this uh, uh with uh with african-american women They, they don't get old. They, they seize and uh, and here she came up and she said, "Good afternoon," and nobody said anything. She was talking to, I guess, the press. "Good afternoon," no one said anything. And then she just kind of looked again and said, "Good afternoon,", good afternoon. <laughs> and everybody you just heard everyone. Good, "Good afternoon," "Good afternoon," "Good afternoon." Good afternoon. So, yeah, I was just wondering if I was in a room all by myself here. And so, uh, anybody who, who knows you know, a mama or a grandmama, uh, you know that when they say it the second time, everybody, oh, good afternoon. All right, so good morning, everyone. Good uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, let's start our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 is where we are today. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right, let's look at verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, the law that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had made, uh, they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maasiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashum, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people He was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord God, the great God. All the people answered, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's the Lord will give us insight and understanding that we may respond likewise to the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are the great God. And we are your people. Speak. Oh Lord, that we may hear. Teach. Oh Lord, that we may understand. Show us the way that we may walk in it. May we see Jesus, the one who is the living word, the one who is the way, the one who is the truth, the one who is the life. May we leave from here more like Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anyone that's here that does not understand these things, I pray that by your spirit you would make it crystal clear that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And may they turn from their sin and turn to him, entrusting him with their lives. That they too may be saved. And that they may be numbered among the people. We ask big things because you're a big God. You're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So have your way among us. Be glorified, O great God, our Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, where do we go from here? In chapter 1, Nehemiah uh, gotten word that the, the city was in ruins. The city of Jerusalem, his home country, his home capital, was in ruins. Sure, the temple was about built by that time, but but the, but the walls were still in pieces. The remains of life when Babylon invaded and destroyed the city. So Nehemiah, burdened with, uh, with, the, with the call of God to go and rebuild the city, uh, he, uh, rebuild the walls, he, he did just that. He, he got up, he assembled a team, uh, they went into the city, they got to work rebuilding the walls. You know that there was opposition, uh, Sanballat and Tobias and Geshem and others uh, that, that opposed the building of the wall. Uh, but they persevered and they did build the wall. And God blessed the people, and and they celebrated the building of the wall. That's great. And that gets you to Nehemiah 7. Bam, there are 13 chapters in Nehemiah. So what's up with the rest of this book? There was a wall that needed to be rebuilt. Nehemiah rebuilt it. The end. Why are there all these extra chapters and these like the extras, right? The outtakes, you know, what's, what's the rest of this? Well, the rest of the book shows you that Nehemiah is about more than building a wall. Nehemiah is about more than the rebuilding of the infrastructure. Nehemiah is also about the rebuilding of a people. Guess that? As one preacher said, Nehemiah is about the construction, but Nehemiah is now shifting from being about construction to being about instruction. Think about this. If we're going to put together a people, God's people, think about what we need in order to do that. Well, sure, we need some infrastructure, right? I know that there are some folks who say, well, we're going to be the people of God in Raleigh. Okay, where are you going to meet? Me. We, we don't do that. that, that that's stuff, right? We, we don't do all that stuff. We're not about structures, we're about free flowing. And so, you know, we'll just kind of show up every once in a while and we'll do Well, you're not going to be in church for long, right? You need structure if you're going to be a church. You you need a place where we're going where you're going to meet. You need a place. You need regular times to gather together. You need you need uh, uh, people who are able to fixed buildings and and people who are able to, to serve and people who know something about sound and tech and you need somebody who's taken some type of, of music theory they got to know a couple chords right they need, you got to know something you know I mean you, there's more you need structure if you're going to do these things but if all you have is structure you may have the the uh, uh, the appearance of a church. And still not be a church. You can love the Lord and still not be that person. Think think about this. You know, October 31st uh, in our country is what day? Halloween. Yeah. And and let's say that you go out, you know, and and you decide that you're going to buy yourself. Costume. You're going. You're going to get a doctor costume or something, and so you you get the scrubs, you know, and everything, and you got the, the gloves and everything, and, and, and you go out and you say, "Well, who are you?" You say, "Well, I'm a surgeon, right?" Uh, if somebody is in need of surgery, they're not going to call you. You look the part, right? You can even say things like "stat" all the time, you know, but that doesn't make that, that doesn't make you a surgeon, all right? Just because you look the part doesn't mean that, that you are a surgeon. And the same thing with us. Just because we have the structures and all of this to say we look like God's people, it doesn't make us God's people. What do we need if we're going to rebuild the people of God? What do we need if we are going to actually be God's people in the city? If we're going to live as God's people here in Raleigh, and if we're going to live as God's people abroad, across the, the, the state, and even across the country, and even across the nations, what do we need if we are going to actually function as God's people? Nehemiah 8, I believe, is is, is instructive from this. Nehemiah 8 tells us and if we are going to live out as God's people in this area, and even abroad into the world, we have to be a people who understand God's word. We must be a people who understand God's word. We must be people of the book. Amen? God Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. God is not uh, has not left us in the dark to try to figure this out for ourselves, kind of fend for ourselves as we're living in this world. No, God has taught us. He's given us His Word, and as we study His Word, we learn what it means for us to be God's people out in the in the world we learn what it looks like to be god's people we learn how to live together and how to live out in the uh, among the nations and among the peoples and so how do we do that what does it look like if we understand god's word what does it look like for us as god's people today to understand his word well then we come up to a scene here in nehemiah 8 where there's this ceremony. There are actually two ceremonies that are going on. The first ceremony is in the first 12 verses, and then the second ceremony uh, wraps up the chapter from verses 13 to 18. Two ceremonies that are going on here. And in these two ceremonies, I believe we understand four uh, 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 signs, if you will, uh, that we are understanding God's word together. Right? This is what it looks like for us if we are going to understand God's word. And, and I believe that we just follow exactly what we see here in this chapter. Okay. So let's go to the first one. Let's look at verse 1. It says, All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. All right? Back in those days, water gate was a good thing. <laughs> it's a little dicey here in our country but, but back then Watergate was a was a great place God moved in the Watergate I, I guess you could say God moved in the Watergate here too but for totally different reasons right uh, but but you have this uh, this place called the Watergate and all the people gathered together there and notice they told Ezra the scribe, to bring the Book of the Law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Now, it's really cool because we're all outside here, and, and it, it, it really feels a lot like it may have felt back then, minus the lawn chairs, uh, but it probably felt a lot like this, okay? And you can... The lead guy has already come and sung his song, you know, the guy who does the opener and everything, and then he leaves, and all the lights go dark. and and, and you know how it is if you've ever been to a concert where the people start to they start to get riled up you know they want the they want the leading act okay it it seems like that's what's going on here you can just almost hear the people chanting we want the word we want the word how about y'all try that this morning let's hear y'all we want the word we want the word and it was like that you know they're 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 pent up you know they want to hear the scriptures question have you ever demanded the Bible like that? <laughs> we want the Word. We want the Word. I, I, and, and, and here comes Ezra the scribe with the Word, and you can always hear them cheering. Yeah! We were here for some scripture this morning. Ezra gets up, and he takes a scroll, and the scroll that he reads is of the book of the law of Moses, and the Lord commanded Israel. And you know, what's that? Which means more than law. It's it's not just the law, kind of like our constitution, but but it was the guide. It was the instruction that God had given for His people, so that they would live out uh, His His ways and, and follow His His paths as they as they lived as His people among the nations. And so so this is the word, and and so Ezra comes out with the scroll of the law. And it says that he began, look at verse 3, he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. From early morning until midday. Literally, from daybreak to midday. This man started from Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and went all the way through to Deuteronomy and it took about six hours so buckle up we're going to be here for a while all right in the beginning God created not <laughs> but six hours you six hours the whole people gathering together we want the word we want the word and then as they gather he starts from Genesis 1 all the way through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they're just soaking it all in. Yes, we finally hear the word again. Mind you, this is a people who has lived in exile. Okay, they live in a foreign land where they do not have the opportunity to gather together. They do not have the opportunity to worship the Lord as one people. They do not have the opportunity. just absolutely elated that finally, once again, they can hear God speak to God's people in God's land. Question. When do we hear the word of God spoken to us as a people? Answer. We're doing it right now. How much do you anticipate this moment? We gather together as a people. And we hear the word of God. Do you come in on Sunday? Sit down in your lawn chair, or inside in the building, or or even at home on 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 Zoom? And do you do you sit there and say, "We want the word. We want the word." Do you go through Monday through Saturday and and, and largely you may hear the word on your own. you may have your Bible app, you may have your Bible book, you may be taking notes and things like that, but there's something that you long for, for all of us to gather together and hear the word of God as a people. Do you long for those moments? We want the word. We want the word for six hours. I don't hear anywhere in the text that anybody can because this is what they've been waiting for, to hear God speak to us as a people. So what happened as a result? They want to understand the word and, and so on. Ezra's reading the word. And it says, look at this uh, in verse five, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. Periodically, you'll hear people say, let's stand for the reading of the scriptures. And people stand and read the, uh, and hear the scriptures read. It's probably because of this passage right here. And notice, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered. What do they say? Amen. Oh, they sound better than that. Come on, come on, come on. What do they say? Amen. Ah, yes, which is their way of saying, this is true. Amen, amen is kind of like Pastor Sean saying, show enough, right? It's, it's, this is this is truth. This is right. This is real. We believe. That's what amen means. Cosine. That's amen, okay? And, and, and so they're saying amen, amen, and they lift up their hands, and then they bow their heads and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. Notice there's a whole lot of movement going on here. Okay? You have Ezra blessing the Lord and praising his name. You got the people standing to hear the word. You got them shouting amen, amen. You got them lifting their hands. You got them bowing their heads and then their faces to the ground. All of these things I think are telling us this. When God's people understand God's word, we fear together. All of this is showing reverence for God's word. This is what we waited for. God's word is precious to us. It's our treasure. It's our it's our, our our balm. It's, it's, it's the water that we needed in the desert. We hear all these voices all over the place. Can somebody agree with me on that one? All these voices saying all these different things and just to hear the voice of our sweet Savior once again. To hear God's speak to us, to be reminded once again of the light to our path, to know once again that God is alive and well, and God speaks, and he sees us, and he knows us, and he hasn't abandoned us. When you have that confidence, you hear God speaking, you are fearing. You revere him. You may want to stand up when you hear the word of God. You may want to shout amen when you hear the word of God. You may want to lift your hands when you hear the word of God. You may want to bow your face to the ground. All is at play when God speaks. But whatever you better do, whatever you do, you better respond. We revere God's word. I know there may be some of you who are here today and you say, it's just a book. I mean, I don't do this for Harry Potter. You know what? Why Why are y'all... We, y'all care so much about a walk? Uh, please understand. The words that are on these pages are precious to us because we know the mouth that spoke these words. We know the God of the... And you say, how do you know a God who's writing here hundreds of thousands of years ago? What, what are you talking about? Oh, because this God has spoken to us today. This God is the same God who saw us in our deepest need, and he spoke a word to raise our dead souls to life. This is the God when we cried out to him. He's the one who heard our cry, and he answered us. This is the God who provided for us when we didn't have any idea where our our next meal was going to come from or where our next paycheck was going to come from. He was the one who saved our lives when we didn't know if we were going to make it off of the operating table. This is the God who spoke back then, and he is the God who is with us today. And so we care deeply about this word because this is a word that reminds us that the God back then is the same God today, and he loves us. He hears us, and He cares for us, and He wants to be our Father. And if you are here today, and you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, come to Him, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and He, our Lord Jesus, will give you rest. We revere this book. We revere what God says. We understand what He says, and we understand who He is, and that's why we pay attention to this. Not only do we his His Word, but also we recognize what it says together. If we understand God's Word. We recognize together. Notice in verse seven, there's also Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maaseiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan, Eliyah, and the Le- uh, the Levites. So all of these guys here in verse seven are all Levites. They're all priests. They're from the priestly uh, tribe, uh, uh, the, the sons of Levi. And notice, as Ezra is going and he's uh, reading the law, they, they kind of break up into small groups. Okay, And so you've got all these Levites that are going around throughout the crowd and they're saying, you know what he means, right? This is what it means. Okay, this, this is what he's saying here. It says that they help the people to understand the law while the people remain in their places. Now, there's some people that uh, that translate that uh, help them to understand the law. And then later on in verse 8, it says they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and gave the sense that the people understood the reading. There's some people that say, well, what they're doing is they're translating the Bible from Hebrew to Aramaic. I actually think it's something different here. The word, therefore, gave the sense, it, it has the idea of dividing. Or, or separating, or things like that. So I honestly think that what they're doing here is common to what we would say today, they broke it down, okay? So so here they are, they're reading the law, and, and as they're reading the law, the Levites are going, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. y'all don't understand. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all missed that part. And so they're going to go over through the crowd and say, you know what this means is this. Let, 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 let me break it down for you, okay? And as they're breaking it down uh, for the people, it says in verse 8, so that the people understood the reading. They understood it. But I, I didn't mention this before, but I, I think I need to mention this here. Do you notice that everything that's going on is going on collectively? Did you, did you catch that? Yeah. you. what God said, it's not enough for you to understand it. We are the people of God. And if we, the people of God, are going to move forward for the glory of God, we got to be on the same page on what God requires of us. Amen? And so if you see someone who is who's having a bit of a hard time understanding the scriptures or things like that, hey, maybe God has shown that to you so that you can be the one to come alongside and say, hey, let's walk through this together. Question, do you have someone or some group where you can understand the word together? One of the things that I love uh, being a, a professor over at Southeastern that uh, I have these, these students that will come regularly to, over to my office and so on, and uh, and they'll have questions about the scriptures, or they'll email me about the, uh, something that the scripture said, or like, could you help me understand what that means? And my answer is not, figure it out. That's not the answer. It's an opportunity for me to have community. And to say, hey, how about this? Uh, over Right around the corner from our, uh, from our campus is this little coffee shop called Black and White, and I say, hey, why don't we go over to Black and White, and, uh, and, and we'll just you know, get some coffee and everything, and let's just talk over the word. And here we are talking, and what's really cool is there are things that I thought I understood about the scriptures that I hear them, and I'm going, wait a second, you're actually saying something different. I never thought about that before. Let me look at the scriptures again. Let's let's work through that. And things that I've seen that I say, hey, did you know the scripture said this? And they they do that. Pastor Sean and I, we've done that before. We've gone over to, um, uh, uh, to Chipotle and everything. Apparently, we have this common affinity for Chipotle. And, uh, and and we're there, and he was saying some things. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And, I, and I'm saying things to him, and he's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And it was really it was really fun just getting together and gathering over the word, gathering over the scriptures. Do you do this in your home with your family? Say, hey, let's understand the scriptures together. You do this with your church family. Hey, let's understand the scriptures together. See, if we're going to understand God's word. We need to recognize what it says together. If we're going to move forward as the people of God. For the glory of God. Yeah. Well, you know, those who have First, who the governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people this day is holy to the Lord your God do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law you can imagine something like that would happen right six hours of hearing the, the word and I'm, I'm guessing they're not crying because it was six hours <laughs> But, but it was six hours of, of hearing the law. So as they're hearing the law, they're hearing the commands of God, just one after another, after another, after another. And perhaps as they're hearing the scriptures read, and they're hearing these commands over and over and over again, one after another, after another. After a while, they're starting to get overwhelmed of uh, over what God requires of them. And they're hearing this and perhaps their mind went backwards as they're standing there in Jerusalem and they're looking over this newly built wall. But I could just imagine that there's still parts of the city that are in ruins and and they're looking at all of this. And perhaps after hearing these commands over and over and over again, they're reminded it was our sin. We are the reason that this city was destroyed it was our sin that ruined our lives it was our sin that ruined our city it was our sin that brought us to the place that we are right now but perhaps it also had uh, as they're hearing the law they're they're listening to this and they're thinking how in the world are we going to be different from our forefathers and our ancestors it just seems like this same law that they broke is the law that we're gonna break too because we're the same people. We are disobedient. We have hearts that, that are eagerly run astray. We, we have flesh that, that constantly uh, uh, fights against the Holy Spirit. We are people who are constantly finding ourselves in the muck and the mire of our sin. How in the world are we gonna be different? And uh, you see it here, they started to weep. They started to cry, like this was hopeless. There's no way that we're going to do this. The city's going to be destroyed again, and it's all our fault because we can't do this. Here, Nehemiah goes to them and he says, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! Don't cry, don't cry. This day is holy to the Lord." Now you probably hear "holy" and you go, "Well." That's usually my response to holiness. God is holy, so I cry. Because I'm a sinner in the presence of a holy God. There's no way that I can do No, 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 no. This day is holy, so rejoice. <laughs> How in the world can sinners rejoice before a holy God? What he says. Verse 10. Go your way. Eat the fat. I have that underlined in my Bible. Um, (laughs) Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord is a God who gives joy. Giving us what we ask for, mainly for sin? No, that's not how his joy works. He is a God of joy because he knows what you need. What do we need? We need new hearts. What do we need? We need new minds. What do we need? We need new flesh. We need new lives. We We need to be pulled away from sin and the curse and pulled to life and joy and peace everlasting. This God is a God who doesn't leave us in our sadness and our weeping and our mourning. This is a God who through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, brings joy. There's joy. You here probably are going, I'm in the presence of God and I don't want to be here because I'm a sinner and I've screwed up. And the last person that I want to see is the face of God. Here, Nehemiah is saying, The one you need to see is God. Why? Because He's the one who takes away your sin. He's the one who doesn't turn you away. He's the one who receives you and welcomes you. He's the one who said, Did you fall? Here, I'm going to be the one to pick you back up. He's the one who says, Are you lost? Here, I'm the one to help you be found. He says, Are you dying? I'm the one who will give you life. Are you struggling? I'm the one to give you hope. God is the one who is not uh, uh, against you, but through Jesus Christ, he's the one who's for you, and your sin did not make him against you again. You don't go back to zero. No, you have all of the blessing of God in Christ for you every single day, and that will never change, never, ever change. So as you hear the law, as they heard the law, I can just imagine... And there's a hope that's starting to build in them because built in the law are little hints and little glimpses that say, hey, there's something better coming. Uh, this law is a burden to us and it hurts us because we're aware of our unrighteousness over and over again. And it's just a mirror to show us how bad we are. Oh, that's true. But there is one who came to fulfill the law. Here's one who perfectly obeyed God's law and then laid down his life as a sacrifice for all of us who have failed to obey God's law. And through his righteousness, we are made righteous. And so I can see them being hope, uh, being filled with hope as they hear of the sacrifices that they gave over and over again. And maybe some of them there said, you know what? These sacrifices can't possibly be the end. We can't do this year after year after year after year. And they'd be right to think that way because there's a the once-for-all sacrifice who was coming, who would lay down his life so that there would never, ever be a sacrifice again. Maybe they heard of, of, of all of these uh, uh, priests and all the things that the priests had to do through their cleansing. They said, this can't be the way that it is. There's got to be a perfect priest. as our mediator before the Lord you never have to go to another human priest again you have a great high priest who sits at the right hand of God the Father Jesus Christ the righteous you never have to worry again oh we're having a good time today Jesus is the one that gives us the joy that we have so when we understand God's word we rejoice we revere together we recognize together we rejoice together and Then notice last one, uh, verse 13. They all ate and they drank. Verse 12 tells us they made great rejoicing because they understood the words that were declared to them. And then came the next day. Oh, that was one day. <laughs> that was one day. So now day two. All right. It says on the second day, the heads of father's houses. of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, they came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. So this is day two. So some of them, uh, uh, most of the people went home. They didn't come back. Just the heads of the the households and so on. They came in verse 13. and They were listening to the law. In verse 14, when they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths all right little huts all right during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in jerusalem go out to the hills and bring branches of olive wild olive myrtle palm other leafy uh, uh, trees to make booths as it is written so the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on the roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the uh, square of the, at the water gate and uh, in the square of the gate of Ephraim. Okay, what, what what's going on here? All right. Well, there was an ancient festival that they celebrated. It was in the law called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. Uh, you find this in the book of Leviticus. Uh, I believe Leviticus uh, 23 is one of the passages there that gives you a little bit of uh, insight in that. Here's what this was very simply was this They would all gather in uh, tents they would go grab branches and things like that and they would all uh, set up for themselves tents and little huts and so on And they would live in those huts for a few days Now the point of that was for them to remember What it was like for them to live in the wilderness after god had delivered them from egypt so it's a reenactment if you will we got civil war reenactments and all these different things they had living in the wilderness reenactments okay it was called the beast of tabernacles they gathered together in these little huts and they would remember that their ancestors when god delivered them from egypt made them live in the wilderness and they just made do with what they had they had tents they made all these different things and now they are reenacting cool. It says in the, uh, all the assembly made these booths, um, in verse 17, uh, they made booths and lived in the booths for from the days of Jeshua, that's Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. It's not that they didn't fellowship, they didn't have this festival. It's probably that they just didn't make the huts. They just thought that was weird. They're like, I got a house. (laughs) So why would I do that? But They're like, no, 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 you gotta live in the hut. You gotta live in these little booths here. And day by day from the first day to the last day. He read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. I think the last thing that this story is telling us is that when we understand God's word, we remember together. We remember together. We remember the past. We remember that the people of Israel lived in the wilderness being led by God. We remember that they were in captivity in Egypt, and God, by his grace, rescued them with his mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And they were able to live for 40 years in the wilderness. They lived in huts. It wasn't the best and all that, but they made it by God's grace. And here the people of Israel, having been in captivity in Babylon and in Persia, Now they are now uh, uh, being delivered from captivity, and they are now living in the land, and they remember not just what it was like for their ancestors to be uh, uh, living in the wilderness and so on, under captivity and then freed from captivity, but now they have a story to add to uh, uh, this grand narrative, because they too were in captivity, and now God has rescued them. Could you imagine how precious it was for them to remember the story and to say, just as God delivered our ancestors, just as God led them out of the captivity and so on, so also God is leading us, out of the captivity and I think that this is instructive for us as well because when we read the story of Scripture we see generations upon generations of people who find themselves because of their sin because of their fallenness living in captivity and just as God delivered them we're the next chapter in the story because we too with our sin have lived in captivity And we can hear that and say, I got a story to add. I got a chapter in this because we have found ourselves in captivity to sin, in captivity to the curse of death, in captivity to a fallen world and all of this. And God in his grace through our Lord Jesus Christ has delivered us from captivity so that we too now are able to live in the freedom of his grace. Uh, But just as they remember how it was back then, I think that there's also a remembering of what is to come. Because why in the world would they live in this land and and, and have to remember what it was like to live in huts? Except, I think, that even though they have a house, and even though they've got property, and even though they live in a land that is theirs and all of that, they're still living in a hut. Why? This is not their goal. And the same thing for us. We live in homes, we live in subdivisions, we live in cul-de-sacs, we live in suburbs, we live in apartments, we live in, uh, in, in all these places here, and we have a country that is ours, and we've got a land that is ours, and God in his grace has given us varying levels of success and prosperity here. But we've got to remember, just as the people in Nehemiah's day had to remember, and just as the people all the way back in the Exodus had to remember, this is not our home. There's a better home, a lasting one that is waiting for us. Right now, we've got to keep the mindset, this is a great place to be, but this is a hut. And it certainly is a hut compared to what we're about to receive in the kingdom of the Lord, Jesus Christ, at his return. Amen? So we remember. We remember. And we live out our days knowing where we've come from. We live out our days knowing where we're heading. By God's grace. So when we understand God's word, we revere together. This is the word. our God has been good to us through our Lord Jesus Christ and His grace is indeed everlasting. This is the Word of God. So let us remember who we are because God has spoken and God has told us who we are. We are His children whom He has brought out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. We are His people headed to the promised land We are his people who who he will gather from every tribe and every people and every language. We are his people who will one day be together, not just in this little small group that we call Treasuring Christ Church, but one day all of us from all nations will gather together. And on that day, we will say, we want the word. We want the word. And who will show up but the living word himself? Our Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory and all his radiance and all his splendor And we will learn from him. And we will hear from him. And we will worship him forever and ever and ever in that great land. My prayer for you is that you and I would come together around the word. That we would be moved by it. Shaped by it. Sent out. That we, by the grace of our Lord, would bring more and more people in, that they may get in on this, understand God's word, so that we together would be the people of God, for the glory of God here in Raleigh. And, behind. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, there is no one like you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us to, to hear your word and to understand it, to crave it. And may we be shaped and formed by your word, to be the people of God for the glory of God here in Raleigh, beyond. Forgive us, Lord, where we have turned astray from your word back. May we revere all that you have said. May we revere you as we hear your word. May we recognize what you are teaching us and understand it well. May we rejoice for your gospel is indeed goodness. May we remember who we are, where we've come from, and where we're We praise our great God as we listen and obey, heed your word by your Holy Spirit that we are shaped.